doing oh she's eating oh good yeah her teeth are still terrible but she's eating oh well that's good i mean oh yeah i mean she can live without teeth i guess but not without food yeah that's true pick pick your crisis yeah the not eating thing is definitely definitely big and scary big and scary yeah she stayed (laughs) at the vet all day and they like pumped her full of fluids and gave her like anti-nausea medication (gasps) oh what a lucky cat i love anti-nausea medication (laughs) because i'm nauseous like a lot which is not good (laughs) she got some anti-nausea and some some vet love so she's doing better oh that's good yeah yeah mom kidnapped her and took her to the vet and took care of all of it which i was like (laughs) thank you because i'm poor and can't afford like a million dollar vet bill right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's definitely i mean there are definitely things that i know that i you know like last week when i was like oh my god should i take franklin to the emergency vet because i'm afraid he has a concussion or like the time that he was like panting and my vet had been like anytime you see him pant bring him in and i was like I think he's okay. But yeah, not eating, like, that's definitely something that, you know, you definitely, like, oh, you know, that's, I mean, that's really, like, one of the basics. One of the big things. One of the basics, yeah. Plus, cats are so, like, dumb in this way that, like, as soon as they stop eating, their, like, livers or, like, kidneys or whatever start shutting down. So even if they don't eat for, like, 24 hours, it kind of, like, spirals them into, like, you know, then they start feeling worse and then they don't eat because they're feeling worse and then they, like, continue to not eat. So it's just, like, bad news. Yeah, it's true. I think their little livers and kidneys are not I mean I speak as a, a true veterinary medical professional <laughs> um but I know when we first got actually when we got both of them like they neither of them had been like on the street and like by themselves for very long but mm-hmm. both of them had liver and kidney problems like it's you know as soon as we took them in and you know I feel like the, that's one of the you're right I think that's one of their their little uh their poor little organs start <laughs> start not feeling not doing too good pretty quickly yeah. Well, I'm glad she's feeling better. Yeah, hanging in there. Apparently, she already lost a couple of teeth. The vet was like, did you know she's missing, like, three teeth? And I was like, no, I had no idea. Like, since the last time you brought her in? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, just, I don't think, I don't think the the vet who saw her before any other vet who has seen her has ever, like, looked in her mouth, like, I'm gonna go in there and like count all her teeth, oh, you know. But I think gotcha. this guy was like really all up in there because he was like, "Well, she's not eating, and like her teeth are bad, and this came about because her teeth are bad. Maybe I should check her teeth." Yeah. Right. Yeah. We should. So do he, 
Yeah, so he, like, really got all up in there and I think was, like, poking around her mouth and was like, um, some of these are already gone. <laughs> oh. I was like, I don't know when that happened. <laughs> Poor Ari. Ari's like a, like, a Benjamin Buttoning. Like, she's so young, but she's, like, <laughs> losing her teeth already. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have noticed she has, like, this gap in her front, like, bottom oh. row of teeth, but it's, like, so symmetrical that I was kind of like, maybe all cats just don't have two teeth in the front. <laughs> but I I think maybe all cats actually do have two teeth there, but she's, like, never had teeth there. Oh, interesting. So I don't know when she lost them or if they just, like, her adult teeth, like, never grew in there. I don't know. It's a mystery. Huh. I mean, she's a street cat, so anything could have happened, but... That's true. And it could have been mange of the mouth, you know? It could have been mouth mange. (laughs) could have been mouth mange, which I know, as a veterinary medical professional, is a very real and present danger (laughs) to to cats who are uh, specifically from the Albania, Albanian region. Yeah. (laughs) Mouth mange, for sure. I mean, I guess if mange makes them lose their fur why wouldn't it make them lose their teeth you know as i said it i was like maybe this actually isn't as stupid as i'm saying it is (laughs) i mean maybe i'm also just offending a really stupid physician but i was kind of like you know if mange affects like the way that the fur grows on skin like why wouldn't it affect the way that teeth grow in a mouth like it's yeah similar mange is also like a mite and i don't think they live in mouths oh gross and you're right that would be (laughs) extra gross if the mite was like you know what i'd like to move up from follicle to gum (laughs) (laughs) yeah if it were like a bacteria i might believe it but it's like a a little little like parasite mite type type thing which yes is disgusting gross and makes me feel gross and disgusting that I had it for a bit. <laughs> Wait, no, like you you didn't have mange. Like you had mange in your proximity is what you're saying? Uh no 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 no. No no. <laughs> Clarify for the people, Julia. <laughs> so mange so cat mange. Dog mange is different and I think uh-huh. actually is like a very real and present threat for people. But oh, cat okay. mange is not. Cat mange is self-limiting in people because we're not its natural host. Oh, uh, okay. So it's not like you get mange, but I definitely got a few rashes. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that were probably the mange being like, ooh, I'll jump onto you and then like died immediately because I'm not a cat. Oh, well, I mean, hey, that's at least good. Yeah, but still still gross. Very gross. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is still a mite. Yeah, that's real gross. (laughs) I'm still living in my skin for the, like, week that I had it. Ew, in your skin? Well, like, on, in. I don't know how mange works. Oh, God, on and in are a very big difference for me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh god. Maybe now's a good time to say welcome to Paranormal Captivity <laughs> where we talk about skin mites and cat mange and cozy mysteries and where we are true veterinary professionals. Um <laughs> this is part two of our The Cat Who Talked to Ghosts series. Uh mm-hmm. sorry, that last episode just snuck up on us and got very long and mm-hmm. we realized we had so much more to say and also hadn't covered the whole book. So <laughs> <laughs> we decided to split it up. So welcome to part two of The Cat Who mm-hmm. Talked to Ghosts. We're excited to get back into this fucking mystery. 
Um, I will have everyone know that in the meantime, between last week and this week, Franklin has seen fit to chew the edges and the corner, like the binding of my book. So the end of my book is very jagged and sharp. And he's... (gasps) Like Coco. Oh my god, like Coco! (gasps) Except Coco knocks them over. That's true. He doesn't do huge damage where (laughs) Franklin does actually do. He doesn't do do physical damage. Yeah. (laughs) He Uh, just reads them in the night and then knocks them off the bookshelf. Yeah, that's true. He reads them in the night. Maybe Franklin's just telling me he wants me to read to him. Maybe. And now he's like laying adorably. It's always funny when you find cat things that they've like destroyed and then you look at them and they're like currently you know this was like clearly done like you know days ago and now he's like laying adorably on the bed while i'm recording (laughs) i know what you did that monster i know you can hear me okay so we should pick back up um if you guys will remember last time we left quillerin stuttering and sort of uh we come to find covering his tracks a little bit uh, at Christie's house when she has invited Quillerin and Mitch over to... We don't know that he's covering his tracks yet, Eva. I know. Sorry, I jumped ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I read the book or something. Uh, oh, well, maybe our audience didn't... That's why we're doing this podcast, so they don't have to read these books. That's true. That is true. Yes. Um, two hours is definitely... It is funny, for as fast as you can read these books, I mean, you just still can't do it in two hours. <laughs> no, it takes at least a full day. Yes. As I have proven. <laughs> as you have found to be the case from personal experience. From personal experience, you know. Not, of course, for this podcast, but, you know, for, you know, like other times in my life. Of course. I mean, for the other <laughs> podcasts in which you're also reading these books. That's the one you're cutting corners on. <laughs> right. Exactly. I definitely don't power through the books for this one. <laughs> um, okay. So I guess should we just we should just pick back up right after... So Quillerin has just left. Right. So yeah. So in the last book, we're on chapter 15 for ah. anyone following along by chapter. Yes. Which is how I follow along. Oh, wait, no, this but... is 14. Wait, really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, no. Well, then I don't have anything written down for 15. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Um, well, I'm sure it all kind right. of blends well, together. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just figure it out. We'll yep, figure we'll it out. It. No we'll panic. <laughs> I'm panicking. <laughs> Well, anyway, if this is chapter four, so this is chat we left in chapter fourteen. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and Christy, the goat lady across the street, has her uh, the goat lady next door. The goat lady next. The goat door. girl. The goat girl next door. <laughs> she has her great grandmother's ghost living with her, who shows up every time it thunderstorms. Um, and so yes. she and good guy Mitch, her friend in quotation marks, her, yes. special, her special friend, go over to Quillerin's house when it starts to rain. She invites Quillerin over to see her ghostly grandmother. Yes. And we left off right after that experience where Lillian Jackson Braun does not describe anything and just kind of leaves it in silence and you know from the beginning of the ghost experience to the end was like three words and then everyone says like thank you and good night and the uh the reader is a little bit confused (laughs) (laughs) i literally i wrote in the margins what exclamation point underlined i mean flummoxed and perplexed yeah if you will that is 
okay say that again because that is literally what Quillerin is flummoxed and perplexed <laughs> yes but I mean this is one of my favorite Quillerin lines what can I say thank you good night with ellipses in between all of them like he clearly doesn't even no. know what to say doesn't know what to say doesn't okay. know what to do doesn't know what to say but he's real into Christy so obviously he's not gonna like pop any of her like hopes and dreams thought that sentence was gonna go a different direction but <laughs> <laughs> I also wasn't sure where that sentence was going <laughs> sometimes you just gotta talk and see where it goes you know <laughs> Um, it, it ended very PG. <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah. It definitely started out sort of PG 13 going into R, but it definitely <laughs> pulled back. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it, it's such a funny scene. Like this is, I think one of the, the scenes that I'll remember most from this, from this book, because as if you guys listen to the, the first couple episodes, like I was really excited to read this book because I just wanted more of a paranormal connection between like the cats and how they know so much. And, and like this one has ghosts in the title. So I was like, great, we're getting there. But I was still kind of convinced that like, they were just going to Scooby-Doo it and be like, Oh, it's completely a human. That is the, the culprit. And it, you know, not to give too much away, it does a little bit of both. And I was really impressed with like this part in particular kind of goes into the idea that like, we're, we just don't know if ghosts are real or not. And at this point, it's like Quillerin's kind of been investigating and, and interviewing people um, about ghost stories in the county because of the way that Mrs. Cobb died. That's kind of the only lead he has to go on. So that was just the part that I liked. But it was like kind of infuriating because I was like, I mean, literally, there's just like a couple sentences where you're like, so wait, minutes passed. What are happening in these minutes? <laughs> like, I don't know. And you know what? I think Lillian Jackson Braun also doesn't know. Like, I know she wrote the story, but I think, you know, the way that she wrote it was really nice. I mean, the end of the chapter, we actually stopped like halfway through the chapter. Yeah. Um, because this was, you know, more happens in the chapter after <clears throat> after this that we're going to talk about. But um, like what happens later and like conversations that happen a little bit later it kind of implies that like no one really knows and everyone kind of has like their own beliefs but also their own personal experiences so like what might be real to like one person in like might not be real to another and that doesn't make it any less true but yeah no there are definitely a lot of parts like that yeah where that's a really good way to put it is that people are experiencing different things and you're kind of it's kind of it is really cool it's kind of neat that like you're it's not like this this one specific experience is like the true one and it's like you know these people are experiencing all different like forms of ghost stories and you know sort of uh things throughout the the county and, and this time frame and i don't know if we've mentioned yet I mean, it makes sense, and it sort of goes without saying, especially because it's this time of year right now, but it also is October in this book right now, so it's also leading up to Halloween, so people are also thinking more about ghost stories, and like we mentioned before, Mitch has been telling um, the kids who tour the museum ghost stories, so it's just that, you know, that time, that time of year, which is great. Yes, the best time of year. Yes! I know. I've actually... 100% just decided recently that all of my Halloween items, like my Hocus Pocus tank top and my <laughs> my new, um, uh, I just bought like a shit ton of stuff at uh, Target. And so I have this new yes. cobweb scarf that I'm just going to wear year round and I don't care. I just don't care. Yeah, duh. 
Duh. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What is next? Halloween. We love Halloween. Um, oh, so I guess the next thing. So at the end of chapter 14, so Quillerin goes home. He is immediately, I, I think, immediately met by Mitch. Like, he gets home, mm-hmm. and I think he, like, putzes around, talks to the cats, does his old old grumbly thing, and then pretty much has, immediately Mitch is at his door. You know, Quillerin is just, of course, like, put out, put out a little bit and is like, oh, who could that be? It's, I've already had my experiences for the day. I need to be at home alone with my cats. Um but Mitch comes in and then they Mitch pretty they kind of like cagely are like uh did you see anything no did you see anything no so it does turn out that neither of them has seen Emmeline the ghost and that they both were being respectful of Christy um and not saying that they didn't see her but I mean this I think this is the part where Quillerin was talking to Mitch about it and he was kind of like well to be honest i didn't see anything but like that doesn't mean that I didn't think it was really special like I still enjoyed the experience and like regardless of whether I saw Emmeline or not like just based on like Christie's beliefs and Christie's reactions like it still like was a meaningful experience that I won't forget so I think that, that was really nice also that like even though neither of them saw anything like they were being respectful of Christy but it also was kind of like at least some sort of a like even if it wasn't like a ghostly experience like some sort of like spiritual experience just because like they had that connection through Christy and like what she saw yeah and it's true here too that we do get the sentence Quillerin's blood ran cold so Mm -hmm. you know and that's I mean I feel like you could debate that about ghost experiences no matter what, whether or not, like, you know, it's something coming from a person's, like, experience and, you know, brain and, you know, different things, or if it actually is something that's out in the world. Um, I think that's definitely something you can, I feel like there are a lot of, um, you know, experiences that are more like, you know, oh, I just, I felt this certain way and I just knew. So, yeah, who knows? Who yeah. knows? Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think Lillian really? Jackson Brown even knows. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely not Lillian Jackson Brown, because <laughs> otherwise she would have written a more clear, definitive story ending. It's probably true. <laughs> probably true. Um, yeah. So then, oh, so you don't have anything for chapter 15. So that Yeah, happens. I don't know. We must have, well, like, talked about chapter 15, and then, like, I erased it from my notes, and then, you know, it didn't record, so now we don't have anything. <laughs> um well let me see I was actually I did just open a chapter 15 and one of the first things that I saw was I I had actually forgotten that uh Coco is also not nearly as frequently as last book but he is still knocking books off the shelf in this book too um Mm. and apparently the one that he knocks over in this one is uh at the beginning of chapter 15 is one flew over the cuckoo's nest oh okay that's right yeah so cooler and there is actually small spoiler alert i'm not going to tell you why but there is actually a reason later that Quillerin does come up with for why that has happened um Mm -hmm. so i think Quillerin, you know does his little thing where he like reads to the cats and this is still actually not even the next day yet so this is like midnight he's tired from his like ghostly experience oh you know what i think this is the night that he um coco gets into the museum you know, maybe, but I think this is actually the night that 
um quillerin looks out into the shed and he's like ah that's stupid oh and, that's right and like baby's out there with her little green pail and he's like children and then he calls verona who is quote-unquote sick in bed and um so he like goes and snatches the kid out of the the barn and takes her back and you know verona is obviously you know comes out with a black eye and it's not doing <gasps> well right. and quillerin's just like oh isn't that peculiar and like totally blows past everything yeah and, that's right um yeah so mitch not mitch What's that guy's Vin- name? Vince. <laughs> Vince. Similar. Similar sounding. <laughs> One of those common names. Yeah. So Vince has left in a hurry to uh, somewhere down below, somewhere next town over, somewhere, something, someplace. But he's supposed to be back soon. But yeah, he, he leaves Verona and Baby in quite a state and Quiller and totally ignores it for at least this chapter yeah that's true he does so yeah so right so quillerin starts to now i think quillerin's like is secretly a little bit happy too because i think he's finally being proved right about vince like i think so far because he's also been this is where um, mitch actually that night when he leaves quillerin's house uh, mitch also leaves by saying kind of bluntly i think for mitch because Mitch is also really young um, and also like very nice and, you know, proper or whatever. But Mitch leaves by saying, Hey, Quillerin, like, honestly, like, which way do you think they're going to go with this job? Because Mitch is up against Vince. It seems to have come down to the two of them to be Iris Cobb's replacement as the director of the, the uh, museum. And uh, everyone is kind of saying they're, they're split and like, you know, Vince is really, abrasive so i think a lot of the the people are really impressed with mitch and are saying like we should go with mitch but there are really notable holdouts who quillerin is starting to suspect and i think he even tells mitch at the end of the chapter before that he thinks susan xbridge and larry landspeak are the holdouts and have really been championing vince and so especially because larry is the president of that um historical society quillerin's kind of like I'm really fighting for you, man, but I don't know because it seems like some people are also really fighting for Vince. So Mitch is kind of, uh, you know, a little dejected, but also like, thanks, Quill. (laughs) (laughs) It goes on his way. Um, So I think when this starts happening, so it actually is the next town over that Vince is supposed to have gone to because he, his cover story was that he was going to, do some research um, or what he tells. So what he tells Verona and then what she tells other people is that he was going to the next town over to do research, to go to the library. And I think Quillerin's already like, why? Or what he tells Verona to tell other people. Yes, that's true too. We don't know yet. We don't know. We don't. I mean, we kind of suspect because she comes out with a black eye. So we like, as modern women at this yeah. day and age we kind of know yes at that sign yeah. we probably shouldn't trust anything that she says about vince yeah or that anything because that it's probably all based out of the fear and right. the lies that he's told her yeah exactly yeah that it's all stemming from yeah this one motherfucker yeah. um so and then do is the next chapter so we go into have we gotten to um polly 
bringing Bigfoot over yet? Not yet. <gasps> okay. So we're on, so we've blown through 15. That was the important thing in 15. Okay, great. Yeah, maybe. I don't I, know. Yeah, I have I, no oh, that's right. You have the blind spot. Let me see. I have the book I here. The Let me spot. check. Um, okay. I think that was, I think that was the important thing that happened in 15 is we start getting those signs that Quillerin has so far ignored, <gasps> but wait a minute. Oh no, something else important. You know what happens in 15? <gasps> they find a motherfucking dead body. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had a big blind spot. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's a big chapter to not have written down. My bad. <laughs> um so yeah, this then is the chapter where the pickaxe grapevine starts. Like every time something happens, uh Quillerin seems to be in the know sort of first and then people call him and they're like, Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? He's like, This was just on the radio. Like, I just yeah, heard it. But this was actually one of the times where he is actually called and told the information that a body has been found at the waterfront or right by the Lover's Lane area down by the, like, I picture it as, like, a little, like, creek. Who could it be? But who could it be? And so everyone, even, like, Larry, I think it's Larry that he's talking to, is pretty immediately, like, you know, we're gonna have to go talk to Christy because who is killed? But it's Brent, Brent, Brent Waffle, um, which is the hilarious name of a really terrible human, <laughs> um, who is Christy's ex-husband. Um, the ex-husband who poisoned the goats. If you remember yes. us talking about the poisoned goats in the last episode, oh. he he was the culprit behind that. Poor baby goats. Well, they were adult goats, but poor goats, poor lady goats. It was all the females. Oh, poor lady goats. That's <laughs> even worse. They were so good. They gave Christy so much. Like every time Quillerin goes over there, or anytime like she gives anyone anything, it's always like goat cheese. Like she makes really good goat cheese and like soap from like you know different products. I don't know how you make goat. Maybe not soap, but there are different things yeah, that are goat. I don't remember the soap. I think she also had bees. It was always like goat oh, cheese and honey. Yeah, that makes sense. Which sounds delightful. And I'm just so that does sound delightful. angry. Maybe it was me that murdered Brent Waffle because I'm so <laughs> fucking mad that he killed her fucking goats. Um, yeah, I'd probably shove him off a cliff for doing that. I know, right? I mean, if it was easy. Yeah. yeah the... He did not get shoved off a cliff. He did not. It was done. No, and actually, I think. He got beaten? Shot? Well. He got shot. He was shot. So you don't know yet, but okay. I think my bad. <laughs> I think in this chapter, Spoilers. you do Quillerin does get suspicious because, as you'll remember, so this apparently supposedly to them happened that night. So the night when Mitch and the night that Quillerin is hanging out with Christy and Mitch. And if you'll remember, it was thunderstorming. So it was, it was rainy, it was really crazy and like downpouring. Um, but then must have stopped sometime during the night. And so what they, what Quillerin starts to become suspicious of is that they find the body and it has like caked on, like dried blood on the body. Mm-hmm. And Quillerin's kind of thinking like, well, if it was raining and it was, if it was at the body was outside, why does the body have caked blood on it? Like, why did the blood get a chance to dry on it? It clearly right. so then he starts thinking like oh the, it was moved. exactly the he was killed somewhere else and then moved outside after the rain stopped um, mm-hmm. so okay on to <laughs> chapter sixteen 
on to chapter 16. Take it away, Julia. Yeah, so chapter 16. So I think we mentioned, I actually can't remember if we mentioned this in the last part of the book. One of the times when Quillerine goes to visit Christy, I think it's actually the first time um, she gives him goat cheese and honey, obviously. But she also gives him a like really old family Bible yes. that is not her family Bible. It is the Bosworth family Bible that her mother got at an auction. And we are unclear why her mother was bidding on someone else's family Bible. Yeah, weird, but a little weird and random. Or why Christy was like, here, take this other person's family Bible for your museum. Yep, weird (laughs) gift, weird gift, but (laughs) we're going with it. Weird all around, but Quillard ends up with this Bosworth family Bible. And so chapter 16 is when he starts like poking around in the family tree of this bible yes and so right away it kind of mentions that oh bosworth is like pretty close to boswell Mm -hmm. but like he doesn't like quillerin doesn't really like think anything of it he's just like oh what a coincidence bosworth boswell that's pretty similar but you know whatever let's keep poking around in this family tree so this is my time to shine because i wrote everything down oh you're making up for chapter 15 <laughs> making up for chapter 15 so this family tree this bible was started oh my by... god did you write the whole family tree down i wrote the whole family tree down. oh my no, god. I didn't. Oh god i wrote okay, the good. important parts <laughs> thank god <laughs> about to be like oh no we'll be here forever i don't want to hear the whole family tree it's like in like what is it like leviticus in the bible or it's yeah. like and then the bosworth begat the quillerin begat the cocos yeah, and you're just like i don't care <laughs> I'm, no, I'm done i'm really done with it <laughs> like i i know pastors around the world are like but everything in the bible is important and every time they get to that part it's like you can't make a whole sermon on this you know why because it's not important <laughs> Because guess what? No one wants to hear a list of names. Because and what no would you cares. even tell us about it anyway? <laughs> yeah, so we are not going to go through the whole family tree. Oh, thank God. But we will start with Lucy, who was the matriarch of the family, yes. who started the family tree, was the one writing everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, so Quillerin starts there. He's like, well, Lucy, matriarch, let's see what happens to her. Also, can so- I say that throughout this process, it a little bit, it never explicitly says this in the same way that it never explicitly says that Quillerin has a crush on Christy. But I think <laughs> Quillerin totally has the hots for Lucy while he's reading this goddamn Bible. I mean, maybe it'd be a little weird because he doesn't know anything about her and also she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But there are numerous times I wish I, I should have written down like the actual quotes, but there are numerous times where he's like, you know, something akin to, like, what I imagined in my head of him going, like, well, this is quite the broad, you know? Like, <laughs> what a woman. What a woman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. He does seem to have that opinion of her. And there was, I think, at one point where it was mentioned that she was beautiful, and he was like, Maul, the beautiful widow. Yeah, Maul. yeah. <laughs> Wish I could see her ghost come into my room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, things just got weird. <laughs> And turn to that, like, have you heard that story? Uh, I think it's an Australian woman who claims that she has sex with ghosts and oh, is, like, no. in a relationship <laughs> with a ghost. Yeah, it's a little... Interesting. It's a little... Uh, yeah, it is interesting. it is interesting, definitely. Yeah. Well, there is that one show that I'm never going to be 
be able to remember the name of, but it's like um, a vampire, a werewolf, and a ghost all living in a house together. Do you ever watch that show? A werewolf and a ghost. No, but it sounds amazing, and I want to watch it immediately. They're like roommates? Yeah, they're all roommates. It's actually a pretty good show. There's a British version and then the American version. (gasps) Watch the British version. Okay, yeah, of course, always. Um, And, I mean, you can watch the American version, too, because, the I mean, the American version is steamier, and the, like, the vampire and the ghost, like, have a little, (gasps) like have a little thing going on oh my god what but... are you talking i've never heard this i want to watch it <laughs> but in the british version spoiler alert like nothing like really happens because like obviously ghosts aren't like corporeal <laughs> right yeah how do you <laughs> really so, make like, that work yeah I, I feel like the british version is like a little bit more realistic and would they like want to make it work but then like it like doesn't and they like try i don't know anyway <laughs> then again the... in casper to take us even further down the tangent track here oh, yeah that's true casper did like i mean now they, they tried that but it like again didn't work oh, but okay. also in the british version the like werewolf or the no that wasn't the word the vampire the vampire had some problems he was like oh, this is a little dangerous for me i don't want to like kill anyone <laughs> which he like almost did and it got like by weird. having sex with someone yeah because he like is a vampire <laughs> oh oh it was like a little too much for him okay yeah i see i see so anyway the the british version was they it kept it real in terms of like ghosts and vampires probably shouldn't have a physical relationship because they like can't but the (laughs) the american version took it a little farther and like made it steamy and the ghost like became corporeal for a little bit and the vampire like didn't have a problem and so it was like a little more like but (laughs) who would have thought that you know we've come so far as to be talking about the practical issues of sex between a vampire and a ghost (laughs) i'm really proud of us to be honest (laughs) Like never liked us more. I'm gonna look up right now what that show was called because okay, yes, I watched both of them. I was like more into the British one, and then I found out there was an American one, but it like never really like oh, uh, really do it for you. It, it never really like lived up. I think because I started with the British one, and like those were the characters that I knew, and they're yeah. the same characters, but like not quite. The, you know, like it's just like a little bit. You know, yeah. When they do like American British versions of shows, it's like always just like a little bit off, and you're like, yeah. Oh, original one that i started with yeah actually you know what i just found out i'll cut a lot of this out but um you know what i just found out i was looking through the cast of um the chili the new sabrina after i watched mm-hmm. the trailer which i was like oh my god i'm so excited about this mm-hmm. um I, this is the only connection is like literally just the british version of something which i was like oh the british office but it turns out that british pam is actually playing aunt hilda in the new sabrina which i was like that is perfectly cast i love that so much (laughs) nice yeah which by the way i also started reading that comic and it is so cool it is so freaking cool i'm already yes 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 so should we read sorry i know we're not really diverging Um, now yes but also being human being human i've heard of that okay i'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to get into that uh, immediately. Yeah. Immediately, yes. I think it's one of them is on Netflix. I think the American version is maybe on Netflix. Okay, I don't know where you would get to the British version. I'll do a little searching. Do a little search. Yeah. Um, it's also sort of reminding me of that really awesome movie from um, uh, Taika Waititi and uh, the guys who did um, 
eagle versus shark it's called what we do in the shadows and it's like it's so mm-hmm. funny have you seen that no it is you'd probably really like it actually the whole premise is basically just uh i think it's three or four um vampires that are just roommates and so it's just like a roommate comedy but they're all vampires mm-hmm. it is oh. so it's so funny it's great put it on my list yep trade and media trade <laughs> media um okay woof 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 to the ch- tangents sorry okay oh, yeah so okay. you're making up for chapter 15 <laughs> <laughs> yeah we stopped halfway through chapter 16 to talk about ghost sex yeah <laughs> we did that's true uh yes <laughs> but all right so we uh we've made it to one person lucy the matriarch <laughs> that's true. well you know what really happened it's at is at the prospect of going through a family tree we both were like should we talk about paranormal sex instead (laughs) tell us on social media if you think that a vampire and a ghost could have sex with each other i think they could make it work (laughs) obviously americans think they can make it work british people maybe not not so much right not so much yeah okay anyway so back to this (sighs) back to horribly horribly boring family tree that i promise will get interesting in like four (laughs) chapters (laughs) I can't wait that long. Woo. Um, okay, so Lucy the matriarch was married to Luther. Remember that name. It's important. Okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna try. So they had, yeah, Luther. Luther, Lucy and Luther okay. um, were the two original uh, people from this family. Uh-huh. So they had four kids. Only two of them matter because only two of them survived. One of them, like, died in infancy or something like that. And one of them, like, got more. One of them was, like, got polio or measles or, I don't know, something, something. One of them died in, like, the war. Yeah. Um, so I didn't write them down. Okay. No one cares about them. <laughs> I care um, about them. I don't. They're more boring. Let's go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the only two that matter are Benjamin and Margaret. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Benjamin is important. He had a number of kids, but one of them was named Vince Bosworth (gasps) and fell from it. This is kind of what gave it away. Vince, uh, well, Vincent, Vincent. Yeah, it was like it had the whole full name in the Bible. Um, Vincent Bosworth fell from a tree as a little youngster oh. and broke his leg yeah. which Quillerin was like uh duh this is Vince Boswell because he has a limp yeah and is the right age um so that tied Vince into this family tree and kind of gave Quillerin the like aha Bosworth is Boswell or Boswell became came from Bosworth like I don't know no one explains why this guy changed his name like three letters but he yeah did. like you well, think if you change your name you'd want to like change the full thing right like but... actually change it yeah the, it, yeah you'd think if you wanted to disguise your name that it, you would you know choose something that's actually different from your own name <laughs> right yeah not like a couple of letters different. like I, but if anyway I were trying to his choice myself i wouldn't go as groff <laughs> <laughs> or grove I, mean... <laughs> I would go as hemmingsworth <laughs> right no one suspects an Eva Hemingsworth because yeah, they think that I'm true. related to Chris and maybe they would give me more leeway because he's very hot. The end. Yeah. Hemsworth is a good family. Yeah. I just got said Hemingsworth and then went to Hemsworth. I am not Hemsworth. even on any sort of track. 
It's Hemsworth <laughs> if you're talking about the sexy <laughs> Australian men. <laughs> I did have a Bloody Mary earlier, and it was way stronger than I thought it was. And now I'm like a couple hours Bloody out Mary. from it. Nice. I know. It was so good. So now I think I'm in the like delusional state of haven't kept up with the uh, alcohol and I'm just sitting here with my tea and my CBD. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. All right. So uh, nice. we get to right. We get to Vince. He has. So we get to Vince. Mm-hmm. He has lied to everyone. How about dare he? Leg injury. It's from falling from a tree when he was a kid, not from polio as he told larry i think and not from a like old war wound which he told verona right yeah he told people different things which is also a rookie mistake very rookie mistake mistake especially if you're like in the same town as the you know right. people and it's a small town and you're telling like two people in this town two very different stories yeah and they could potentially meet that's like my nightmare no matter what like even just I haven't been lying to people and I'm like, oh my God, these two people could meet and find out completely different things about me. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh God, sorry. I keep derailing us. Anyways, yeah. Derailed all the time. <laughs> so, okay. So we went from Lucy and Luther mm-hmm. down to Benjamin and Margaret. So Benjamin was important because he is the tie to Vince. He is Vince's father. <gasps> so that now move on to Margaret. Margaret being Vince's aunt. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? His father's sister. Yes, yes. So Margaret married and became a lawyer. Um, and I didn't write down what her last name changed to, but Quillerin recognized the last name of Margaret's husband and was like, oh, that's like a well known respected last name of like i think maybe lawyers and like other professionals which like down the line is susan's family yes right so that's how it ties into susan and he's like oh relative of susan vincent susan are like cousins or second cousins or like whatever relation that makes them which is probably why susan has been pulling for vince for this job yeah, exactly. Right. He definitely yeah. starts to find this out. And he's like, you know, rightly enraged because he's like mm-hmm. been duped. And uh, also because Mitch, who definitely is a much better fit for the job, is, you know, sort of getting ignored in the uh, sort of the idea that that Vince would be a better for the job because he's, you know, already there and doing the work mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing that Quillerian finds out in this Bible, he's like kind of going down the line and then there's a part where Luther dies and he looks at the date and it's pretty close to the mine explosion that happened. And so Quillerian's like, oh, maybe Luther was a miner. Like it doesn't say. Oh, that's right what he did but that was kind of quiller and like putting two and two together be like maybe that yeah. could have been and then he was like well this is a pretty fancy bible for a miner's family and also it says right here that lucy bought a general store in cash oh right oh god which this is gets like, so complicated yeah it does get very oh, complicated god. and so also like, for anyone who can't who doesn't remember the mining explosion is actually from the previous book as well um, mm-hmm. We find out that in the town of Pickaxe, uh, in the old timey mystery section of all of these books, Junior Goodwinter's 
great grandfather, grandfather, great grandfather, ancestor. Ephraim. Ephraim. Oh, right, right, right. Ephraim. Ephraim was not well liked in the town uh, because he was rich. He cut corners on this mine that he owned, and there was an explosion, and a lot of people died. Um, 32 people died. 32 people died in the town, which then fast forward is also the part of the story, the ghost story that Mitch, I think we mentioned this last episode, that Mitch is telling uh, Mitch is telling the kids at the mm-hmm. museum that every year actually by the bridge where supposedly Junior's father was killed, or sorry, we already solved that mystery, I don't need to speak in, <laughs> in uh, cryptic <laughs> terms for that, uh, where Junior's father was killed in the last book. And uh, supposedly every Halloween people see in like an apparition of the 32 every, miners. Every like October 4th or whatever date it was that the explosion oh, happened. Oh, okay. It's not on Halloween. It's like, it's like around. Halloween. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the explosion. So yeah. Yeah. So at this point we're thinking that Luther is maybe a miner. Right. Spoiler, not spoiler. Well, we'll, we'll let everyone decide what they think until later. It does come out that whether or not he was. But um, he dies around around the time of the explosion. Um, and then a little later on, Lucy remarries. Mm-hmm. So she has more kids, I think, from that. Or the guy that she married already had kids. No, she must have had more children after that. And I don't remember what who, who they are or what that new last name was. But that is uh, Larry's family. That's line. right. Yeah. So he kind of goes down from there and is like, oh, this is Larry's family. So Lucy and Luther's line of children led to Vince and Susan, whereas Lucy and her new husband's line of kids led to Larry. So they are all related. It's a conspiracy! It's a conspiracy! They are all related, which is why Larry and Susan are voting for Vince instead of good guy Mitch for this museum Poor underdog Mitch! Yeah, but... Quillerin comes out of this is kind of like oh I have you know a little bit of a little bit of dirt on them maybe I can use to help pull for good guy Mitch but also this family's a little sketchy because they have apparently so much money on such a low income how did that happen oh, right yeah <laughs> so there's like a there's a couple things in there that Quillerin's a little like hmm, peculiar mm-hmm. But yeah, that is pretty much all of chapter 16. That is, you know, the big, the big juicy tidbit we learned from that Bible. Does he, has he, um, right. Yeah, that's right. Quillerin learns all of that. And then is it the net? I mean, like all of these books, I assume it's many chapters down the line. Although holding the book now, there's really not that much left towards the end here. No, there's only like five, five chapters left. Um, well, it did take us like an hour and a half to get five chapters last time. Yeah. and i had to come that's true out. and we have we're already an hour in and we've done two yeah. chapters <laughs> true <laughs> yeah so when so there is another another big juicy chapter coming <gasps> up where a lot of these like family mysteries are revealed yes. and some like surprising twists happen <gasps> but that is not until chapter 19 oh, Julia, tell us the twist now no, we're going to have to wait because chapter 17 is where Bigfoot comes oh, around. Bigfoot. So I don't think we want to skip no, that No, I one. don't want to skip Bigfoot. Ugh, I yeah. fucking love Bigfoot. And this is the part where I think we do get the, I think I said this last time, but that we do get the bitchiest Quiller in because he is such 
a fucking asshole to Polly about how she treats. True. Um, her adorable little, I have to admit, I do like the name Bigfoot more than Bootsy. It's true. It's a better name. Oh, but Quillerin is just so judgmental in such a sexist way of the way Polly starts to treat Bigfoot Bootsy. I'm just going to call him mm-hmm. Bigfoot from now on because that's a way cuter yeah. name. Um, it's true. So Bigfoot, so I think we mentioned in the first book, uh, or the first the first book, um, in the first part of, uh, in the last episode, that um, Polly has gotten a Siamese kitten, and she was so thrilled to tell Quillerin, like, so excited, and then Quillerin immediately is, like, weird and, like, kind of threatened, I guess, maybe? And then immediately hears the way that Polly talks to Bigfoot in like any, I'm sure the way that any of us talk to any of our pets and just like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the tone, the like, I mean, granted <laughs> it's different for what the, whatever they're doing. But if you have a little kitten, like what psychopath can't just go, oh my God, what a cute little kitten. And so she's doing mm-hmm. the like, you know, sure. The kitten voice, the baby voice. She's doing a little, a little, uh. Well, baby voices, but Quillerin just gets really judgmental of it and like starts being like, I, I wanted to be with her for her intellect. And now she's this cloying woman and he just, it just is. Oh, and I think we mentioned last time too, that one of the other like really bitchy Quillerin moves is when they're um, having the art show, the disaster show at the museum and Polly comes up. They like don't really see each other for most of that show, even though they're both there and Polly comes up to him and is like, Quill, can I ask you a favor? And Quillerin immediately says, sure, as long as it's not to babysit your cat. And Polly's <laughs> just like, her face drops. And she's like, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. You fucking dick. <laughs> so he does actually end up doing it. And is that, that's this chapter? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That is this chapter. <sighs> it's great. This whole chapter is actually pretty great because the, most of the chapter is... Quillerin just like being really like doesn't want to do it does it anyway and then just like kind of gets the shit kicked out of him yeah he just like can't handle it has a terrible time he truly has a terrible time he um yeah although this kitten does actually sound like a pretty big man yeah it's, it's true the kitten does sound like a terror and I was thinking too the whole time of like I'm not sure I would immediately like cats need to meet in like really specific circumstances and like I don't know mm-hmm. that, I mean, I would 100% go cat sit for a friend and just, you know, go to that person's house and cat sit, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would that quickly or willingly bring a new cat into my house. Yeah, I think it, it kind of depends. His situation is a little wonky right now because he's in, like, a little one-room apartment with a museum on the other That's side That's true, of yeah. So I'm not sure if he has, like, the space to do it. If I had, this, if I had like, an extra room, yeah, I would. exactly. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think, like, under normal circumstances, he probably does have an extra mm-hmm. room because he's, like, a rich person these days. But Well, but he still yeah, only lives in the garage apartment of the, the big house. Oh, and yeah, the big house burned down anyway, true. so. <laughs> the big house burned down, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. It doesn't really describe his his normal abode. We don't know what size it is, but it does kind of seem like this this apartment that he's in at least has a bedroom and a kitchen. True. Yeah. True. So, we don't know like 
the setup of it but it does seem like that there's at least like a little bit of an ability for him to like shut cats away yeah (laughs) if he needs to like separate them that's true and he does actually do that with bigfoot at one point um because Mm -hmm. basically as soon as bigfoot so polly comes in and and is it is kind of funny in the setup because polly comes in and is like okay he eats apparently he's really little and so she's like he eats with this trapper like three times a day and she's like says something else weird about how no, I'm being judgmental. But this part I was kind of judgmental about because I was like, she was like, I only use newspaper, not litter in the like li- actual litter box. And oh, I was yeah. like, that's he, weird. He's trained to paper. Like, he's a cat. He's probably trained to whatever. Yeah, he's going to poop in that box. Like, it's, it's fine. Yeah. But so, yeah, apparently, like, all of her rules go flying out the window as soon as she leaves because he just is like a holy terror and just like takes off and like barely the, the um, cocoa and yum yum. Uh, are just like sitting on top of like a lift fridge or something and are just like looking down kind of like what are you doing um, <laughs> what is this yeah. thing and then yeah i guess it it culminates in i don't know how it even happens but bigfoot there he's like trying to feed him or something happens in the kitchen and he's like running all around and then he actually no i think the cat like comes in and like eats all the food available in the kitchen all at once and Corrin's <laughs> like well i guess his diet oh <laughs> yeah but then he's also like running around cuz like i don't know about you but my cats will eat and then they'll like kind of pass out pass back out yeah. they like get excited for yeah. a moment and then they're like okay i need to lay down again i need to like take mm-hmm. off my i need to unbuckle my button my unbuckle my belt and lay down but yeah apparently it culminates in uh Quillerin in the kitchen with Bigfoot and Bigfoot jumps onto Quillerin's back and like latches into his like apparently he gets like really torn up and like the cat doesn't let go at any point so he actually has to call like shuffle to the phone and like call doesn't he call um uh the Boswells and then Verona comes over yeah he calls Verona he's like how fast can you get here I have a cat clinging onto my back and she's, like, she's like oh um, no <laughs> yeah she takes it really seriously really immediately where i would be like i'm sorry explain this to me one more time and he'd be like i'm bleeding yeah, you have a kitten just take your yeah yeah you exactly <laughs> why didn't you just take because that's what she does basically is that she like pulls. yeah she's like let me just take your sweater yeah. off and you're fine <laughs> and then it's actually kind of cute because i guess bigfoot falls asleep in the like sweater where he's like rolled up in <laughs> <laughs> oh god so yeah that part's great bigfoot's great that's also a great name for a cat anyone who's getting a cat that's a pretty good name for yeah. A cat. yeah what happens after that well that's actually so back to verona's plight that's actually when quillerin finds out that vince hasn't come back yet right. it's been like too many days and verona has been like well he's, i think he's coming back tomorrow maybe he's coming back tomorrow i don't know monday maybe yeah and he's so vince has left for an extended period of time and he's left verona and baby without any food or money yeah which is like strike one million against bad guy vince but quillerin this is where quillerin is kind of like how dare he and like actually starts noticing like oh maybe this is like not quite the situation that i thought it was and sends verona away with like a pantry full of food that he pulls from the kitchen yeah because i think he thaws more of mrs cobb's food for her and then mm-hmm. um i think even the next day he like goes to the grocery store for her and in true like i feel like it's always it always happens and like not even just these books but like other books where it's like people go grocery shopping and they buy like the weirdest kind con- like if they mention it at all it's like a <laughs> weird combination of shit that's like you just you didn't have to mention things if you're gonna say they bought like condensed milk a banana and like a 
packet of rice. Like I don't, I don't need to know that. If right, it's just sound weird. Yeah, because <laughs> it felt like that. That he was like, I bought them brown sugar, and I'm making all of this, and then a Granny Smith apple, <laughs> and a kombucha, and it's like the no, <laughs> what. Oh, Colin. <laughs> but he does try. He right. He brings them food, yeah. and then when Polly comes back, comes back from. So she's actually gone just to the next town over for uh, for the night for a mm-hmm. um uh, a library related conference, and then she, <laughs> I have lots of information on that. Don't ask me. <laughs> um. Basically, so Polly comes home. And Quillerin does actually have the forethought, too, although it's like, why would you think that she would maybe see him? But because yeah. Vince has said that he is has gone to the other town over to go to the library, Quillerin kind of thinks, like, oh, maybe there's any way, like, if he actually is there, I should, you know, ask and kind of corroborate anything that, you know, could have mm-hmm. actually been the case. And so he does yeah. ask, like, by, by any chance, did you see Vince? And she's like, no, not at all. Was not at the library. Yeah, not at the library. So. But it is horse race season, apparently. And so she was like, well, I don't know, maybe he's playing some That's right, because then she was like. And Quillerin's like, that happened. Yeah, and Quillerin <laughs> immediately believes it. Which, I mean, spoiler alert, does end up being the case very soon. But is also like he definitely does immediately believe it just because he like does hate Vince so much. Believe it as much as yeah. possible. Although wasn't he found in like Indiana or something? Oh that's true. He actually did that's right, because you don't find out until the very end, but yeah, he did just yeah, run I don't away. I think he was yeah, I think he was just kinda like peace and like left for like forever and was like on the run. I don't think he was in the next town over placing bets like Quiller and wanted. Yeah, that's to be. true. That's true. But he was doing something equally as sketchy. So yeah, still or probably more sketchy because placing bets actually isn't illegal in a lot that's of places. True. That's true. So then, does the other there are the other thing that's kind of interspersed throughout? I don't know if it's a specific chapter, but um, the police are interviewing Quillerin and Christy and Mitch mm-hmm. about Brent, Brent Waffle, our good old pal Brent Waffle's death. And Quillerin is like weirdly evasive and like doesn't give the information to the police until like he's asked like a second time. Yeah, I think even Quillerin was a little bit like, well, I like I don't think they did it, but they totally could have based on this timeline. But like they also would have been like, you know, normal people wouldn't murder someone and then go over to someone else's house and be like totally calm, you know? He right. was like, you know, they would be like the most like stone faced non killer killers like in existence. Yeah, exactly. So, like, there's like a ninety nine point like nine 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 million nine percent chance that they didn't do this, but like there's also that like little tiny bit of a percentage that like it looks like they did. They had the you know, the motive and the timelines up where it could have happened. So like yeah. I should tell the police everything. But he doesn't there's like something about it though that he like I can't remember exactly the situation, but I felt like he didn't offer information that would have been really helpful to them like he doesn't even say that because at first he's just like oh yeah like they're my neighbors or whatever and like I saw them that night and then it's not until the next time that they talk that he's like oh yeah I saw them like right like if you think that you think that I think it was like 8 p.m they came over at 8 p.m and they think that Mm -hmm. the body um Brent Waffle was could have been killed around like you know say seven or seven thirty or whatever it was like really close the timetable 
and Quilleran was it wasn't until like the second ish maybe even third time that he talked to the police that he even offered that information whereas I feel like that's something that because then they start like actually really looking at Christy and then finally because it's so small town the cop is like to Quilleran is like do you really think they did it and he's like no I don't think they did it (laughs) and it's like you could have just said that from the beginning yeah (laughs) like I know that's the time doesn't quite line up but like they probably didn't do it you should look somewhere yeah exactly and the police probably would have been like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> that makes sense. Checks yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would like to think that the police would say that. So what I can't even imagine, like, I'm literally holding so little of the book right now. Like, what even is left here? Oh, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get us yeah, to yeah. the twist. Okay, so, yes to the twist. So, chapter 18 is fun because that is when Quillerin goes up to Larry and is like hey guess what I found (laughs) hey and Larry's like I don't know let me let me let me see what you got there and Quillerin's like no let me tell you about it (laughs) don't touch my old boring looking bible it's actually really fun let me show you (laughs) yeah (laughs) let me show you all of the things that I learned in here so Quillerin totally blackmailed Larry it's the, true the he totally does he's like don't you think mitch should have this job yeah he's, yeah. <laughs> he's like let me tell you all the things that i discovered in here about your family and this like sketchy general store info that i got here like I, something happened with the general store that i didn't quite understand but oh, apparently with blackmail no yeah it was like like someone bought it and the name changed and it like something about like it being in Larry's family and Quillerin was like this is suspicious and Larry's like you're right it's suspicious. well because it turns out that it was hu- it was bought with hush money like are we quite it, to that part yet? right but we didn't we did not oh, know that sorry. at this point which is why I think it was a little confusing why it was like blackmail worthy but it it totally is totally is blackmail it is worthy. it's bo- it's yeah. I'm sorry boring I mean it is boring and like it's um uh, it's like confusing. It's like up to the point where yeah. you get it, you have it revealed. It's like not even something that you could like guess at to be like, oh, why is this important? Mm-hmm. But then it does become yeah. Quillerin couldn't even yeah. Quillerin couldn't even guessed at it to like preemptively blackmail. So I'm not sure like what he thinks he's blackmailing. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it is kind of true. But he does go up to Larry and it's like, hey, I know that Vince is your relative. I learned some interesting sketchy information about your family and their finances and this general store. Wouldn't it be a shame if the whole town found out maybe you should rethink your vote? And Larry was like, well, all right, you got me. (laughs) And he's, I feel like he's kind of like, okay, in a way that's like, oh, all you want is this. I feel like he's basically like, I think maybe I could actually go to jail. So if I could just vote on a person for a job instead, sure. <laughs> Is that all you That's want? That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, yeah. So that happens in chapter 18. And then Corin, you know, pats himself on the back. Is like, good job, me. Got that done. <laughs> um, heads back to his house where... Verona is like flailing around in hysterics Mm -hmm. being like I lost my baby and you know is calling around and Quillerin's like calm down how about you just stand here and call her I'm gonna go look for her she's probably just in the barn. It's also like late at night isn't it? Yeah I think it is late at night so Quillerin goes and checks out the barn 
Um, it turns out this poor kid has fallen down an open hatch oh. and is unconscious. So Quillen comes out and is like, I'm going to call the hospital because your baby's unconscious. And Verona immediately has like a panic attack and faints. Right. So both of them go to the hospital. <laughs> Which I feel because, like happened in the last you know. book too of like when um, when Iris Cobb runs back from uh, Herb Hackpole's farm mm-hmm. and then she gets there and she like gets immediately taken to the hospital it's like which like fine but also like you know in real life most women can like handle these situations without being taken to the hospital oh, even if there oh, is panic involved. and especially a mother like i definitely was more lenient on the iris cobb one because i mean she is older it's, it's true older, and she did run and she did go through like a physical struggle of like yeah in the cold. it was cold exactly it was cold but this one i was like i'm not sure a mother would actually faint in this situation i think she would get like an adrenaline kick and be like oh my god my yeah. child and like run her to the ho-. you know what i mean like do just do something right. that's like more preserved yeah. like but it does also like kind of fit with the character of verona the way that she is written she is kind of like meek and like panicky in general that's true so, yeah like, i kind of believe it but also i don't know i just like it's a trend in the way women are written does, in this yes. book that i'm like mm, maybe you could go with like a different stereotype <laughs> next time maybe something a little more realistic of yeah women. yeah okay. i mean you know just anyway baby and verona both end up in the hospital in this chapter that was really actually Um, pretty brutal i feel like because what has happened is that there's a trap door that even quilleran didn't know about living in the house like next door to this barn mm -hmm. and um this trap door has been like propped open with like a really big slab of something or like the slab was like covering it usually and now it's been moved um, and so baby, because she was wandering around in the barn looking for the barn cats, you know, fell down this trap door that was open. And I feel like, could I mean, I don't think it was, I don't know. It just felt like it seemed like a really long fall. And like, that's, didn't she, I think she like broke her leg too or something like. I don't know what the injuries were. I do remember it being like kind of touch and go there for right? a minute. And yeah. for like a second, I was like, Lily and Jackson Brown, are you going to call I thought that too. That's right. I thought that definitely thought that too. It had that tone for a minute. And I was like, oh, yeah. yikes. But then remember yeah. Quilleran also gets really, part of it is that they had just made a date like set a time. Quilleran was like, throughout the whole book, he's been grudgingly like he doesn't like kids and baby loves cats and so both vince and verona have been like oh the baby should come over and see the cats and quiller and every time Quiller's like that no, absolutely not i can't even i don't want her to get scratched fair i always get very wary about my cats oh sure yeah children i'm like uh are you sure that's a good idea because i feel like my cat's gonna get blamed if your cat if your kid's an asshole yeah. Um, oh God, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So Quillerin has been very wary of Baby being around his. Oh, that's right. His his precious cats yes. for this entire book, and he just made a date to be like, Mari, fine. This kid's like going through this. Kid and her family are like going through a hard time. Maybe I should be a little bit more understanding. Let's set a date for her to come over and see the cats. Mar- yeah. Mar- and then, yeah, at the end of this chapter, he was like, it maybe will never happen. Wah. But, you know, he also like, oh, is, <laughs> I, well, he also thinks, yeah, because, right, he thinks baby's, like, maybe going to die. But then he also thinks, too, he feels guilty because he's like, oh, my God, if I had just shown her the cats, like, maybe she wouldn't have been 
stumbling around the barn. Oh which... yeah, because she was probably looking for the cats in the yeah. barn. The, the, the barn, barn cats. cats. Not his yeah, cats. exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So, are we on to chapter nineteen, where you promised us twists and turns? Twists and turns. Yes, we're on to chapter nineteen. So chapter 19, it diverges a little bit from the story. Chlorine goes back to, like, interviewing old people for, like, no reason. And you're like, why are you I here? know, right. It was so boring <laughs> until at the end when you're like, oh, right. I, okay. Tie back in. Okay. Tie back this in. Is, this, is, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So Chlorine goes to, like, a retirement home of some sort. Like, a what's the, like, proper name for an old person? A nursing home? home? A nursing home. home. There we go retirement home but it's like a step past retirement it's like you're old convalescent care some yes sure why did i have three terms for that and you had zero (laughs) i don't know (laughs) we'll go with nursing home i think think that's that they think that it's more it's like a nursing homes type setting because there are nurses there caring for this person Mm -hmm. but they're like they don't call them nurses they like call them something anyway doesn't matter yeah (laughs) it doesn't matter so Quillerin goes to this nursing home to interview Adam Dingleberry, uh, which is a great name. Also, the name of the, I forgot to mention it earlier, but that is actually the name of the family in the town that owns the fucking funeral home. So the whole be- like yeah. beginning of this book, I should have mentioned it last the episode, but every time they mention, they mention it so many times. When are you going to Dingleberry's? What time are you going to Dingleberry's? Meaning like the funeral. And it's like, uh-huh. this is not... You don't need to associate the term dingleberry with <laughs> helping with someone pass home. on to the next life. Yeah. But that yeah, is their no, name. It is so true. far be it for me. That is their name. Um, Adam Dingleberry is like the like head patriarch, like original. Well, no, he's like the child of the original funeral home owner. I think his father started the funeral home business in the town. So he's like the oldest living generation of the funeral home family and he is a real live wire he has a live wire he's like 94 or something crazy like that um very old remembers very far back and so Quillerin's talking to him they're doing like their normal little like taped interview with like some pretty like unimportant seeming questions and then after a while mr dingleberry is like hey you should uh get rid of that nurse over there i got some yeah. secrets to tell you if you turn that tape recorder off and quillerin's like uh yeah duh nurse <laughs> he's like i don't care about you anymore leave um yeah just get out i need to hear all of this man's secrets <laughs> so so the nurse leaves and quillerin turns his tape recorder off and adam dingleberry is like so you know ephraim that that old guy you know junior's great great whatever grandfather of sorts who uh killed those miners when we buried him he wasn't actually in the coffin yeah. it was all a show and quillerin's like oh so he is buried under the house like that's crazy yeah and, he, and adam's like no 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 he faked his death he didn't actually die <sighs> what yes that is the big secret yeah so it turns out luther if we think back to that boring family bible Mm -hmm. make it make it interesting now julia (laughs) i'm gonna make it interesting so lucy married to luther Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. luther was ephraim's hired man they just call him a hired man 
who helps him fake his own death. So he was killed because he knew too much, basically. He was shot in the head. Everyone thought that he had been trampled by horses by accident, but he was shot in the head because he knew too much about this faked death. Um, So Ephraim offed him, but then just paid everyone else off who was involved. So the Dingleberries got paid off. Lucy got paid off and the rest of her family because of Luther's death got paid off, which is how she bought that fancy Bible and general store with cash um, and why Larry's family is so well off. And so that's, that's kind of it. And then Quillerin goes back and he like kind of stumbles out of the, the nursing home. Like, Oh man, is that true? Could it be true? And then heads back to his little apartment and like immediately finds a secret drawer in this old desk, uh, finds a bunch of paperwork that like corroborates the story. Oh, right. He found he like immediately. Yeah. So he like immediately, I'm just so hilarious (laughs) that he like immediately he gets back home and like the first thing that happens is he's like let me check this dress desk drawer that i've never checked before (laughs) to see if there's a false bottom which there is and he like magically finds paperwork that like just backs up the entire story that adam dingleberry told him also really dumb paperwork because some of it is like literally it's like i lucy bosworth like accept this payment on behalf of my like husband's death yeah and it's like well why did what why is there paperwork for this it's like no you write it out as like payment for corn or like (laughs) you know you do it something that's like you could possibly anything you could possibly be like oh no this wasn't hush money for wasn't for my you know husband getting murdered yeah like like we're literally covering up a murder she literally just wrote on a receipt i think it is literally just a receipt it's like a ledger yeah. Um, like an accounting ledger, mm-hmm. which apparently people did a lot more note taking in their Bibles than I ever did <laughs> because <laughs> he's getting like a whole family history. He's getting like accounting. Well, this, this isn't in the Bible anymore. This is. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. In yeah. a desk drawer that he magically finds right after <laughs> he hears a story that <laughs> he doesn't believe. To be fair, and I will probably cut this out because it is more fun that it is completely just him like finding random shit. But I do think that there was a part of the conversation with Adam Dingleberry that, like, they had branched out. It, it's all boring. They had branched out mm-hmm. from, like, coffins to furniture. And then they were talking about, like, the Dingleberry original. Yeah, he did He did look at the desk and did make the connection of, like, I think that's a Dingleberry desk. <laughs> Dingleberry <laughs> desk. <laughs> and he did then make the connection in his head that, like, Adam Dingleberry did say like oh we made furniture for like however you know like to whatever specifications people wanted it to be whether it be like and he listed like a whole bunch of things and one of the things was false bottoms he was like one one drawer two drawer false bottoms other things other things and Quillerin was like false bottoms eh yeah he was like (laughs) let me go check all of which to be fair if anyone even though I you know if someone said that in my presence and I didn't even have that furniture I would be like you know like knocking on every item that I had (laughs) to be like are you a false bottom are you a false bottom (laughs) yeah um, but yeah, okay, so right, so he finds that, does that lead him to the tunnel? It does lead him to the tunnel. <gasps> Bring us to the tunnel, Julia, because this part was so ridiculous, and 
like a little bit pointless but hilarious (laughs) yeah it very much was a little slash a lot of it pointless so basically at this point Quillerin has fully bought into the story that Ephraim there's been there's like a town-wide cover-up at least with like certain specific like uh, you know like a a two-family yeah yeah that goes back to the the death supposed death not death of Ephraim and so then he's thinking like well the whole town hated him if he really he's looking at like dates and shit and he's like well if he really did fake his death, he and his funeral was this day, and the mine ac- explosion, like going backwards, was this day. Like he would have had to be leaving pickaxe around this time. And yeah, I can't remember the exact connection that brings him to the fact that oh, it's the guy that he killed because the guy that he killed. I think he was hired to like put everything together and yes. to create like this tunnel underneath the barn so that. Ephraim could like fake his death and then go back home like get all his things and then tunnel his way yeah like across town and out to like the outskirts and um find like a I don't know how long ago this was but like a carriage or a buggy or whatever yeah the, the time so that he could make his escape to like somewhere tropical down south I think they go to Europe Oh, but it doesn't somewhere, really somewhere matter. Somewhere tropical over east. It's somewhere tropical <laughs> to the east. Um, yeah, because I think they say there's somewhere in there that's like his wife and like kids, I think, were just, you know, randomly taking a European vacation. Probably mm-hmm. also because everyone hated them in the town and they were like, all right, we're going to go then. We have money to go to Europe. Bye. Bye. And then I think Quillerin's like, oh, well, then he probably just met up with them. Right. Um, Which makes sense if i were faking my own death yeah and my family was going on vacation i would just you yep. know they would just be coming to vacation to see me yeah <laughs> they, yeah yeah no totally i yeah. plan to do that at some point in my life so yep. just get ready i'm gonna fake right. my own death and i'll I meet you there think that's fine <laughs> <laughs> but so then this leads quiller in to actually search for the tunnel which of course mm-hmm. i feel like any of us would yeah, um, so he does actually find the tunnel and it's down the, so the clue, apparently, baby, we had to sacrifice poor sweet baby's mm-hmm. leg and health, but um, it is down the hatch, the, like, trapdoor mm-hmm. that Quillerin initially finds because baby falls down it, and then it's, like, down a second trapdoor in that space. Um, yeah, which, like, that part isn't so pointless because he actually does find some pretty interesting things down there. Does in- he? Yeah, in that first hatch, he goes down and is like, hmm, what's this prison uniform doing oh, down here? Right. Why is there dried <laughs> blood in my barn? Right. He finds, like, relevant things. Because we've really veered off the actual path of the mystery for the yeah. old-timey mystery. I feel like most of these books now are probably going to be the intertwining of the old-timey mysteries with new mysteries. And, like, right, we've really veered towards the old-timey mystery. And, right, mm-hmm. that's right. He does find... <laughs> a fucking prison outfit <laughs> and blood yeah. like it. it's like a the crowbar that he uses to supposedly open the boxes yeah in and the barn you know 
it's it just it's like very Quillerian because he's like, hmm, what's this prison uniform? Dried blood. Oh, I think I know what this is. And then he doesn't do anything with the information. Well, no, he does because then he goes and gets Coco. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. Yes. My because bad. He goes and gets his cat. <laughs> shall we not forget the cats, the crime solving cats of this entire series? Quiller entrusts yeah. his cats more than he does the police. So he does mm-hmm. go get Coco, and then they he puts him on a leash and a harness. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice little leash and harness. Mm-hmm. Yum Yum's like, uh, no, thank you. I do not want to go into... I mean, no, she's not invited, but I like to say that she just is like, doesn't want to, because mm-hmm. then it's, you know, in her court, her not theirs. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so then, yeah, so Quillerin puts Coco in the harness on the leash. Um, he, like, sneaks him out, because it's apparently during the day... Which I've been picturing it all at night, and then it gets to this part, and I'm like, oh no, this is like this midday. Is in, like, <laughs> this is like noon. <laughs> yeah, this is literally just like afternoon, like, yeah. Um, everyone's kind of out, too, which is what is happening yeah, and why well, he needs to I sneak. Think, I think Mitch is out there with some, like, construction people doing some, like, upkeep stuff on the museum, and so he's like... You know, Quillerin's, like, walking out with, like, a bunch of, like, towels in a bag and, like, cocoa stuff down his shirt. Yeah. And and Mitch is like, hey there, Quill, what you doing today? And Quillerin's like, nothing, gotta go, bye. <laughs> Don't, certainly don't have a cat in my jacket right now. <laughs> and, like, he has other things down there, too, right? Because he's, like, got, like, Yeah, he a... has, like, a bunch of, like, bright pink towels that he's using as, like, knee pads. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> right, he's got knee pads. His poor old knees. I definitely like that part, because it's not just, like, he could just, that was a really good detail, I thought, of, like... All right, yeah, I'd believe he has terrible knees. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I were going to go crawl in a tunnel at this age, I would probably just crawl in a tunnel. But yeah, if I were 50, I'd probably want some kitchen towel knee pads also. Yeah, exactly. No, 100%. So yeah, so he's like shoved all of his tools and items, including Coco, into his mm-hmm. yeah, like big sweatshirt or whatever. And then he um, right makes it to the bar and they go into the tunnel. And then you spend like half a chapter of them just like, like the rest of the chapter the yeah, yeah of them just like sliding along in the tunnel and then he doesn't even come out the end of the tunnel i was so mad no but he does find a like tape recorder and some like spooky ghost noises on the tape recorder yes right which would be so fun if we don't learn what they're for right which um, i'm assuming that's the next chapter that's that is the next chapter but that is kind of the end of this chapter Quillerin's like yeah. all right I explored the tunnel good for me pat on the back found some actual relevant things not just relevant things towards this like you know 100 year old mystery that no one probably cares about anymore <laughs> yeah exactly things that are like not like actually prosecutable anymore and don't relate yeah. to Mrs. Cobb to Mrs. Cobb and also the ex-husband that was murdered because right. that's an actual murder case yeah, right, exactly. Well, but that, like we I, don't like him, but it's still like an actual murder case. Exactly. I do actually think by this point they do suspect cuz I think during one of those phone calls that Quillerin has with the cops, he has by now figured out that um that Vince is like just not coming back. And so I think mm-hmm. he mentions that to the cops and they're like, "Oh yeah. Yeah, we should look right. into that." And then I think right, he sits on the information, but then it must be the next chapter that he also comes back and is like Hey, I had these escaped convict clothes in my basement. So, right. like, because like, I obviously did... the no good ex husband was hiding out in my barn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so they which start would to have put... gotten in the way of Vincent him trying to like 
find treasure in this tunnel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, have we even gotten to the treasure part yet? Because that's the other big reveal. That is the, that is the <gasps> next chapter. Treasure! The next chapter! Treasure! Yeah, I didn't actually... Oh, yeah, I did write down that Vince was looking for treasure. I'm not really sure what the treasure was, though. I can't really remember where it was supposed to have come from. Well, it was like magical mystery treasure that was like very not confirmed yeah oh it was super unconfirmed because i think even quillerin at the end is like this is not a thing like it's not real like it actually wasn't real but vince was like very convinced that it was yeah i think this was like maybe one of the last digs that vince was dumb (laughs) and that quillerin like didn't (laughs) like him and like had instincts towards not liking him because i think it was this was supposed to be the last thing that was like and he wasn't even searching for real treasure the idiot (laughs) (laughs) well i think it was one of those things where like there were rumors about ephraim not being buried where he was supposed to have been buried but that he had been buried under the house and i think vince had believed like yes he had been buried under the house with his treasure or something of the sort and so he like was kind of buying into a bunch of like old family rumors that like were very much rumors but he was just a hundred percent on board with yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense um so then is the next thing that happens does verona come to confess yeah so the next chapter this is like really the end basically yeah this is this is the last chapter because then verona's confession really wraps everything up yeah, she was the one holding the information the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Who who would have thought? Who would have thought it? But yeah, so Clary goes to the hospital. Good news. Baby's going to make it. Everyone's happy mm-hmm. that Lillian Jackson Braun did not kill off a two-year-old child. Ugh, I'm just so glad about that. I was... Because that would have been, I don't even like children, but that would have been a little traumatizing. Yeah, it would have been a little much. <laughs> Definitely a little much. Yeah. Um. So yeah baby's fine Quillerin goes in to talk to Verona and like make sure she's okay and then she like just kind of spouts all all the confessions yeah all at once um so she comes clean about Vince looking for treasure and like they moved to the area so that he could specifically dig under this barn that he is convinced that mm-hmm. you know holds all of like the good winter family treasure yeah um which does not exist because it was used for a death faking cover-up and the family probably took it with them to europe yeah so yeah, like, there right. is there there just like is no more money because they used it they were not dead they were alive right <laughs> <laughs> like they lived off of it so there's no treasure vince was dumb but that's what he was looking for yes and he was paranoid that iris cop was going to get in his way and so um he was trying to make it like really he was trying to drive her out of the house make it really like scary make it really uncomfortable yeah for her and so i think when he learned that she was starting to like her health was starting to deteriorate and like she was getting paranoid about ghosts based on like the noises that he was making while he was digging right in the tunnel that went underneath the house that's when yeah. he got the idea to put the like ghost sound recordings underneath there also mm-hmm. and so like she was getting paranoid about the like tapping and things like that that he was making while he was you know searching for buried treasure and then he put the extra added tape of scary noises down there so she actually was hearing ghost noises in the night yeah which is I think maybe more terrifying that like 
I don't know, the idea of, like, a human acting like a ghost that is going to, like, maliciously try to... Because he was specifically trying to kill her because he knew about Mm -hmm. her poor health. Yeah, or at least... So he was... I think Verona thought that he was just trying to drive her out of the house. Uh Uh-huh. And so that's why... I think that's kind of why she was like, okay, fine, like, you know, whatever. Like, that's not Right. right. But, you know, nothing I can... Nothing I'm going to do about it. But then what actually killed her oh yeah was yeah so vince had verona dress up like a ghost and go stand outside the window which i think he was trying to like give her a little extra scare but then like he killed her with a pillow like he suffocated i know i thought that part was so stupid it was like wait you're going through all this trouble i guess maybe it was like a building thing like this didn't work let's try the Verona as a ghost that didn't work I'm just gonna smother her like it just yeah, went crazy he, yeah like, he had to have been like this is so I think this is creepier than a ghost oh, standing 100%. outside the window but he had to have been like standing directly behind her when Ugh. Verona was you know being a ghost outside the window because Miss Cobb was looking out the window and you know obviously saw Verona mm-hmm. Verona saw her and then Vince had to have been like creepily standing there like in the room right behind her to know that it didn't work that's true and, and then he just like attacked her and smothered her with a pillow right and for her to fall where she fell which was in the middle of the kitchen Mm-hmm. And then we do get the detail too that um, Verona, as Verona's confessing, I guess she comes in and you know sees that Iris Cobb is dead. Is obviously very distraught. But well, I think she was like out when she was like as a ghost. I kind of got the impression that she was like looking in the window as a ghost and oh. saw the whole thing happen. Well, yeah, yeah, because she said right, yeah. and so then she comes in. Yeah, exactly. So then she comes and, in and like sees everything. You know, right the, the murder scene and then she's the one who like turned off all the lights and that's, closed all the doors yeah that's what i was getting at which was the like right. really silly detail i thought i mean silly but also kind of realistic in a way because i feel like there are certain things that are just like so ingrained in you that you just do no matter what and mm-hmm. apparently because she was also you know a part of the museum and a part of the you know just in the neighborhood and like vince was working in the barn she it had just been so drilled into her to turn off all the lights when she left that she just did that and that's why all the lights were off um when Quillerin got there which actually now that I'm saying it out loud is actually kind of a cool detail because it does like throw things off so much like that's why Quillerin was looking for like something supernatural for so long because it was like why would this even happen like what circumstance would cause this and it was kind of a Mm -hmm. cool twist I thought but yeah yeah so that's that's mostly it right there's like not much left oh there is the detail of the one flew over the cuckoo's nest um uh the other book there's another book too and i I forget which one it is it was two books this one this time not you know the numerous that coco was like batting off the shelf um last time and uh it turns out that i guess i i haven't read either of them um but i guess they are stories in which someone gets smothered i think Hmm. with a pillow um, All right. Sure. Okay. I don't. I don't know that either. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna look it up before I actually put it in the episode. Otherwise, I'll cut it out because. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, um, so I think in the first episode we might have mentioned that when Coco gets out, he has like uh, gets out of the apartment area and is like perusing the um, the museum, and Quillard has to chase after him and is like grumpy about doing it, which it's like, your cat is a crime-solving cat. Why not just follow him? There is a <laughs> murder that has happened here. 
but he does he so Quillen does take note that there is a um one specific pillow that Coco has beelined to and yet again I know we've you know sort of made fun the whole episode of how boring the museum is but it does turn out that that pillow while it may be on display as a you know early 1900s chicken feather pillow it turns out that that's the pillow that Vince grabbed and used to smother poor Mrs. Cobb. Oh, oh, oh. Poor oh. Mrs. Cobb. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. So were there were there any other connect like cat connections? I don't think so. I think it. I think that kind of wraps it up. Verona was also the one to steal Mrs. Cobb's cookbook. I don't know if that was mentioned. I think that was a purely selfish thing. She just like wanted to learn how to cook and Quillen was like, yeah, I kind of guessed, but like, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's almost like Lily Jackson Brown can't get through a full one of these without being like, here's just a random tangent thread of a mystery. And it's like, this doesn't it's connect. a mystery that no one cares about. <laughs> oh, man. So that's uh, it. That's it. Yeah. So I think, you know, we get to the end. Baby's fine. Mitch got the job. Everyone's happy, even though these terrible things happened. And then on the the very last thing that happens in the chapter, Quillerin gets a call. <gasps> and we, we don't know who the call is from. Yeah. We hear the, like, where we get the, like, transcript of it from his side. Uh-huh. And he's like, who is this? Of course I remember you. Move back down to the below, you say, for the winter to a penthouse? Yeah. Well, I'll check with my boss. And so he I thought you were gonna say and... I'll check with the cats. <laughs> well, he was talking about the cats. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh my god, I'm so sorry I cut you off. <laughs> I thought so he I remember that. goes and and finds Coco and Yum Yum who have already sensed the move and are hiding under the rug together <laughs> so mysteries will continue because Quillerin is moving to a a different spot for the next book that's right I was actually really proud of her because in this one Lillian Jackson Braun that is because in this one as we've said like we felt like there was more just more to this one I mean it is also mm-hmm. longer there's like a little bit more like meat to the actual mystery mm-hmm. um it's like a little bit funnier this one yeah, also it is, it's just like a little bit more clever yes exactly a little more clever and it has a fucking like a, like out outro you know it has a little like yeah. um, cliffhangery like not cliffhangery but like you know come back next time type thing mm-hmm. which i was like okay i haven't gotten this yet and i'm feeling good about it because i really do want to see Quillerin in a high-rise penthouse in the crime <laughs> in the crime belt because they talk about being in the crime belt yeah so so now that we've teased that, that is actually not what we're going to read next. We will come back to that one, though. That's, I believe, um, The Cat Who Was High. No, The Cat Who Lived High. I keep calling it The Cat high. Who Was High because I really just want it to be a cat about a cat. You know, oh, Coco I see, or Yum Yum. Because they're in the penthouse. The yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the next book, so we are currently recording this in September, which is still also very much Halloween season. But Yeah, we don't care how early it is. We no. want Halloween stuff. We do. And technically, potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed, if we get everything together in time, you will be mm-hmm. hearing this um, yeah. maybe a week or two before Halloween. So we're planning on doing a fun Halloween diverge from the Cat Who stories. Should we just tell them what we're going to read? <gasps> I mean, we have a couple of favorite Halloween Woo! cats. Yes, that we 
have decided to include in our little mystery series here because they're totally worth it. Yes. They're worth being included. We're doing like um, an honorarium, a special uh, special little uh, ceremony for... Oh, this has so many cool parts to it because Ooh. there's a new show coming out yes. that I am so excited about. Any so Riverdale fans out there may know. Um, it's called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, and it's like horror related. And that series is based on um, a, a comic, uh, sort of in the similar vein as Riverdale on Archie Comics. So we're actually going to read the horror comic, the horror Sabrina comic, also called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. In which we will also celebrate Salem, the cat. The sassy cat. I actually also decided I was going to, like, not say it. And then I was like, if this does come out, like, on Halloween, everyone will probably already know. I think I'm going to have my costume for Halloween be Salem this year. Because (laughs) then I can just dress like a black cat, which is super easy. And then I can just be sassy as fuck to everyone all night long. It's true. Salem is, like, the original sass master. (laughs) Really? is and actually if you read the this is a little spoiler in the comics you do get a little i think a little more backstory than i remember from salem in sabrina the teenage witch um mm. from the 90s yeah he did get like a little teeny tiny bit of a backstory and like he did have some like little bits of backstory kind of like thrown in through like random episodes uh. but yeah they i don't know if they ever did like a full like Salem episode yeah which would have been amazing if they had which would have been pretty cool yeah Yeah. well we're pretty freaking excited about those so fingers crossed you guys you are listening to this if you are listening to this I feel like we're talking to like air but then yeah hopefully to this anyone anyone? literally just our cats right now Um, but listen this is really fun because we're hopefully going to have this out and in the world and we're actually recording this before we've released anything so thinking like three weeks ahead is uh pretty fun (laughs) yeah especially when it's thinking about halloween things that far out Uh, halloween this so excited oh halloween i just love it so much okay well anything else i mean hopefully we'll again speaking into the future um looking into our crystal ball uh we'll hopefully potentially have social media up so hit us up on social media um we probably just mostly post pictures of our cats if you're into that yeah thousand (laughs) percent um i think that's it is there anything else i don't think so okay well goodbye fellow halloween loving cat people and we'll see you next week oh yeah for halloween we'll see you next week for halloween yeah 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 halloween yeah halloween kitty halloween time okay bye bye (laughs)